0: To the Ambitious Introvert podcast, created especially for introverts, empaths, and highly sensitive entrepreneurs to help you build, grow, and scale a successful, sustainable business. I'm your host, Emma Louise Parks, business and mindset coach for ambitious introverts. After 17 years working as an air traffic controller, the ultimate fast-paced, high-stimulus, extrovert-friendly role, my mission now is to show introverts that they too can create big results and success because of who they are, not in spite of it. I focus on introvert-friendly business and marketing strategy to help you switch overwhelm for clarity, confidence, and clients. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Ambitious Introvert Podcast. I'm Emma-Louise and before we move on, I just have to share with you an epic entrepreneur fail because I believe that it's so important to share what happens behind the scenes and what goes wrong. So I recorded today's episode with my amazing guest, Parmise Yazdanya, and after recording, I thought I'm going to go straight back in and I'm going to do the intro now because everything's really fresh in my mind, what we've been talking about. And I just hit record and I did the best four minute intro for this podcast. It was amazing. I talked about Palmese, I talked about our conversation. I shared about Quiet Power Mastermind. It flowed. It was amazing. And then when I stopped recording, I realized that the microphone was not plugged in. So there you go. There is not only four minutes of my life. I'll never get back. <laughs> But an important lesson to check that the microphone is plugged in. And you would think I'm almost three years into this podcast, but hey, I'm human and these things still happen. So I just wanted to share that with you. But thank you for being here. And as you heard, today's guest is the amazing Parmise. Parmise is the founder of the NeuroBranding Academy. She helps industry leaders to better articulate their genius. So they get noticed by the right people and create movement based brands that they can monetize with integrity. Now, I'm betting that there are a number of words in there that you were like, yes, I want to articulate my genius. I want to get noticed by the right people, integrity, all of those things. So, Palmise and I have been connected for quite a while now in the online space. And I wanted to have her on the podcast for a long time, because we have very similar values. We have a very similar outlook to business. We are very similar people, as you'll hear us talk about. Our human design is very similar. We're both huge introverts, but also ambitious. So what I really love about Parmise is that she is so open and transparent, and she has this beautiful ability to share what she's thinking, even if it's maybe a tad controversial or spicy, which is fine, but she does so in a way that is so authentic and doesn't feel icky or like she's ramming things down your throat because she's able to articulate it so well, which is exactly what she helps her clients to do. So, Another one of the reasons that I wanted to share this episode with Palmis now is because I'm thrilled to announce that she is one of the support coaches in the next round of the Quiet Power Mastermind, which means that she is bringing her brilliance into the group for my clients once per month to help them to articulate their message. It's going to be open coaching where she's going to answer anything that you've got to bring about your messaging, about your copy, and also to support us in copy editing. So to look over pieces and give feedback to see where we can really strengthen our message and articulate. So I am thrilled because when I created Quiet Power, obviously it's gone through a number of iterations since, but What I really wanted was this very holistic all-round container that at its essence enabled the members to conserve their energy because that is our most precious resource as introverts. So I really wanted us to be able to stay in our zone of genius, but make those refinements and optimizations to our businesses that enable us to scale in integrity, to grow our revenue, but without creating more and more work for ourselves. And I know from personal experience and from that of my clients, that messaging is one of those things. So I'm super thrilled to have Parmis on board and I hope that you will enjoy the conversation we have, learning a little bit more about her, how she got into entrepreneurship, how she marries her academic background with what she does now for clients and how she's grown and evolved in you know, 10 years of business as well. So another very permission given episode, another Kind of epitome of an ambitious introvert, too. So I'm really excited to share this conversation. And if after listening, you think that having my support in Quiet Power, along with Palmise as one of the support coaches, could be what you are looking for, then hop down to the show notes and check out the full details. Quiet Power was really designed as a container to help ambitious introverts to scale. So the The majority of my clients are coming to me now for one-on-one and they've hit their capacity. They're fully booked with clients. They've maybe hit six figures in revenue or whatever milestone they'd set for themselves, but they want more without doing more. So they have this misguided belief that, but I can't double my revenue because I can't work twice as hard because I would need twice as many hours in the day. So at this stage, it's how do we grow sustainably? How do we protect our energy to make sure that we do have this business for a long time? And what we do in Quiet Power is we look at three really important aspects, and that is the people in our business, the processes in our business, and our own personal power. And being able to really refine and optimize within those three categories is what's going to enable you to build scale, a sustainable business that's in integrity, that feels like you, that works for you. And because of that, quiet power is capped at maximum of six people per cohort, just because I believe it's so important when you are co-creating a business and when we do have the support of other people around us, that we don't do it in a way that is like week one is this, week two is this. Because If we cram too many people in, first of all, as introverts, we get exhausted. But secondly, it really puts that pressure on that we have to do things in a certain order. And growth is not linear and growing a business is not linear. So I hope you can see that the approach in Quiet Power is like 360 degrees. We take all of those aspects of the people, the processes, the personal power, and all of the subcategories within that, and work through them and apply them to your business in a way that works for you and is fully bespoke. So you can have a completely different business to another mastermind member and it's okay because that container supports both of you for where you're at and where you want to go. So as I say, if you listen to this and you're curious to learn more, then pop back down to the show notes. There is The sales page is linked there for Power, and also the link to apply if you want to start a conversation, see if it's a good fit for you. We do kick off in June, so there's not much time for this cohort. But in the meantime, please enjoy this conversation with the wonderfully smart and talented Parmise. And I hope you enjoy listening to it as much as I enjoyed recording it with her. Parmise, I am so thrilled to be chatting to you today for the ambitious introvert for so many reasons. But mainly because you are an ambitious introvert and your fellow 1-3 generator.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to chat today. <laughs>
0: so I think the 1-3 piece, like I talk about this a lot in the podcast and with my clients because it really does define so much of the way I am and the way I've done business and the way I learn things and take information, all that. And I think it's really a testament to that, that you and I think in a very similar way, I would say.
1: Yes, I agree.
0: And I think that's why, and as soon as you said one three I was like, oh, this makes so much sense so so any non one threes listening apologies if we go a little bit conceptual because that that, <laughs> that has been known to happen. So when did
1: you start your entrepreneurial journey and was that always the plan? I love this question. I often refer to myself as the accidental entrepreneur because it definitely was not the plan. And I started on my entrepreneurial journey kind of as a byproduct of not being employable, which I know is a very entrepreneurial thing to say. But I started when I was about 19 years old, not knowing anything about business, not having any sort of ambition to grow a company or become a brand or anything like that. I was simply looking for a way to pay my way through school. And so I've always been a very gifted writer. I've always been someone who communication has just come very simply to me. It's been something that I've been recognized for academically, having you know short stories and speeches and things go on to get awards. So when I was about 19 years old, I was, I was sitting in my, my tiny little 400 square foot apartment, which I also know is a bit of a cliche start to any entrepreneurial story. <laughs> but I remember sitting there and thinking to myself, you know, I have big goals for my academic career. I really wanted to go on and get my Ph.D. in psychology. And psychology was something I was always very passionate about. And I remember thinking to myself, I want to find a way that I can create income that can support me through school and support me, you know, living on my own and having to take care of myself without having being tied to somebody else's schedule and being tied to somebody else's expectations. And so I remember taking up my my laptop and, and looking for remote jobs in the area. And I came across an ad that spoke about looking for someone that can manage a newsletter and, and update a weekly newsletter. And I mean, this this is we're talking like 2013, 2014, right? So the, the digital media age had not exploded the way that it has right now. But that's when, you know, blogs and newsletters and things were just taking off for small businesses. And so I was like, oh, wait a second, I can I can write and get paid to write. Like writing is something I like and I enjoy doing for myself. But if I can if I can get paid to do that, I can do that between classes. I can do it after school. So it was an excellent way to, to create some income. So I took on the writing job. And very, very quickly, I was introduced to the world of of digital marketing because the purpose of the newsletter was obviously to nurture this business's audience, but also make occasional offers. And so I became really intrigued by how to position offers or what was the sequence of information that we wanted to put out there that actually got people really involved and interested in what it was that we were doing. And since I was studying psychology in school, I I thought it would be really cool to be able to Mesh some of the things that I was learning in, in school about human behavior, motivation, decision making in the way that I was writing these newsletters. And so I would really like to infuse bits and pieces of storytelling or focus on, you know, emotional drivers and, and look at, you know, who are the actual people in this newsletter sequence? What are they interested in? What are they, what are they going to buy into? And started to infuse bits and pieces of that into my writing. And it started to take off. And around that time, again, I had no idea what copywriting was. I had no idea that there was an entire field out there that was focused on writing for entrepreneurs. And I started doing really well with the newsletter and Word started to get around small businesses that there's this, you know, this little person who's maybe 20 years old, who's writing these epic newsletters and emails and, you know, pages, and it's getting a lot of attention. So Word got around and people started giving me requests like, hey, can you write my email sequence? Hey, can you write my sales page? And as the adage goes, you just kind of say yes and figure it out later. (laughs) I had never heard what a sales page was. I had no idea what an email sequence was. And these were all just new terms to me. So I I started diving into the world of of digital marketing and really getting a deep understanding of what the nuances of sales pages and emails and positioning and, and all these things are. And little by little, you know, to keep this short and sweet, my copywriting business took off. And I was copywriting for, you know, small businesses at first, and then it went to mid to large scale businesses. And then it started focusing on personal brands, product launches. And before I knew it, I was almost at my graduation, five years into my university career, standing at a fork in the road, asking myself, do I want to continue down the line to go to my PhD? Or do I want to continue this this route that I've started going down the business side because it's, it's really taking off? And I started noticing that there's a major, major gap in the entrepreneurial field and people understanding how to articulate the value of what they do in a way that draws people in, builds connection, and actually gets people to take the right actions to them. Because what I learned when I was going through the whole digital marketing process is that there's a lot of sales tactics and strategies and ways to get people to convert that are very much based in scarcity and fear, in you know using fast action bonuses and things that really kind of get people to feel like they need to make a decision now rather than just naturally guiding someone to make a decision that is best fit for them. And so the way that I was showing up in my copy and really helping these businesses articulate their value was coming from a very heartfelt place where they were building authentic, genuine relationships and connections with people in their audience. So I noticed that there's a huge gap in that arena, especially within the copywriting field as well, where many people, again, were still focused or really heavily emphasizing the scare tactics and the strategies behind how to get someone to convert rather than how to build that relationship. And so, I decided to put my entrepreneurial career on, or sorry, my my academic career on pause and go into entrepreneurship full time where I started, you know, my own digital or I should say my own copywriting agency and very quickly after that I realized that I don't want to be doing done for you copy anymore. Because I felt like it was a very disempowering service when I was working for big names and very well-known personal brands where I felt like I was taking the words out of their mouth. And I realized it's a lot more empowering if I simply teach people the principles of copywriting and the principles of effective messaging so that they can do it for themselves. And so since then, I transitioned out of being the voice behind a lot of six and seven figure brands into going into really helping them connect to their own unique voice and knowing how to articulate it in a way that makes the most impact with their audience. And so here we are about nine years into the entrepreneurial process. Now, I'm, I'm also very introverted as well, so... It's been it's been a passion of mine of helping people who've always felt like they've struggled a little bit with putting themselves out there and struggled with being loud or flashy or trying to get the sales or whatever it is to them, really understand the nuances of how to communicate in a way that draws people in and doesn't really necessarily have to be loud anyway. I love all of that so much. And you and I have talked at length about
0: a number of these things. One of them being that... I have built a successful business without really a very clear message and without using those tactics because I I haven't ever really gone for fast action bonuses or, you know, countdown timers or all of that. But it is definitely a slower build when it's more connection-based and reputation-based. But I think we're talking to you, and this is something that, you know, I know you found yourself at the start of entrepreneurship, it's very much, oh, be like this talk like this act like this do like this and in fact the biggest success that you' have seen and for your clients is when they just have the permission to talk like themselves in their copy
1: absolutely one of the the biggest transitions and I, I guess I would say pivots that I've made in the way that I teach is that in the beginning I was also very heavily focused on what is the most proven way you know to to write copy that will get people intrigued or what is the the, the best performing, Templates and frameworks and ways that people can communicate that I know have evidence that are going to work. And what I realized is that when we do that, we almost inherently let go of our uniqueness. And it's not necessarily the, the tactics or the frameworks that will get people intrigued, but it's the energy behind the copy. It's the being tapped into who you are, what you stand for, and having the boldness to be able to stand for something and articulate it in a way that will rally a group of people. It's not necessarily about just the tactics and the way that you say it, but it's the energy that it's coming from as well that makes a really, really big difference. So what point on your journey did you recognize yourself as an introvert? This is, this is also an excellent question because for the majority of my life, I actually felt like almost like an imposter extrovert because being the speaker that I was, I was always on stages. I was always speaking to, to humans. I was always, I wouldn't say the popular person, but I was always the one that um, you know, had something to say. And because of that, I almost felt like in order to be successful in my career or in just in life in general, I always have to be out there and i would say it was probably about 3 to maybe 5 years ago where i started getting really exhausted and you know how they say an introverts have a bit of like a social thermostat and then all of a sudden you hit your you hit your threshold and you just can't socialize anymore <laughs> yeah i i know that one very well <laughs> yeah i was going through you know i was going through these moments where i was feeling just like very disconnected in networking events or had no interest, like really, really would have to push myself to do certain things in my business that required me to be on you know, a larger scale or have capacity to speak to many people or do things that just didn't necessarily even feel fully aligned with me. You know, I was, I was teaching a lot of sales tactics back then, but I myself had never really written myself a sales page or, you know, put my like gone live on social media to talk about what I do. Like I never had to do any of those things. And yet Simply from fostering really good connections and relationships, I had built this very successful business for myself. And so I started realizing, like, maybe I I don't need to be extroverted. Maybe I don't need to be everywhere at all times, speaking to all the people. Maybe I can just foster being the person who is a little bit more behind the scenes, is a little bit more to herself and almost fostered a little bit of mystery to what it is that I do. And from that point on, I actually felt like the exhaustion dissipated and more and more people were attracted to who I was and what I did, simply because I was being more true to my the actual me. Love the use of the word
0: mystery because <laughs> for so many reasons, but well, because it's very kind of alluring and like, ooh, mysterious, but also So much of what we taught in the online space is share everything, show them what you have for breakfast, do this, talk on stories 20 times a day, like, you know, don't take a day off because of the algorithm. And this kind of like share, like, I'm going to say what can feel like oversharing a lot of the time to introverts Mm -hmm. And that doesn't come naturally. Like to me, if I have to consciously think, oh, I should be putting this on social media, I probably shouldn't be putting it on because I just want to be in the moment and enjoying it. Right. But what what do you think, if you can distill it down, how did you change your actions or your thoughts
1: or both to Mm -hmm. be more mysterious and like own that about yourself? Yeah. Okay, great. So I don't actually think that there was anything that was consciously changed. I think that when I just allowed myself to show up in the way that I did, I was always a little bit averse to sharing everything online. And I think that this is a bit of a paradox nowadays, especially even in my own work where I'm teaching personal branding, where people are not necessarily buying the thing that you do or the offer or the outcome or the result, but oftentimes they're also buying into you as to who you are as the person behind the brand, the values that you hold, the philosophies, the perspectives, the unique insights. And so there's this fine balance between being able to demonstrate your unique expertise and to share bite-sized pieces of wisdom that you've been able to pick up from your experiences and your own trials and tribulations and feeling like you need to share everything in order to be vulnerable or in order to be seen as someone who is likable and relatable. There's a very stark difference when you feel like, oh, I maybe should be sharing this versus this just almost feels like a disservice if I don't put it out there. You know, I, I recently, as you know, spent an entire year in in Mexico and that was a completely unplanned trip. And there's been so many amazing lessons and experiences that came out of that, that I could draw parallels between that and entrepreneurship. And putting that out there to me was doing a service to my audience because they can also vicariously learn through the experiences and through the lessons that I took from there versus feeling like, well, I need to now share my breakfast and I need to make sure that I'm posting three times a day for people to feel you know connected to me or for the algorithm to not forget who I am but the the aspect of the allure that you mentioned or the mystery is that we don't necessarily have to be everywhere and sharing everything. And in fact, when we just simply show up when we feel that we want to show up and we share the bits and pieces of information that have been the most impactful to us, and we let a little bit slide in terms of you know, sharing everything or or we keep a little bit to ourselves and create that aspect of of mystery around, well, what is it exactly that she does? Or I wonder what her day-to-day actually looks like. That actually creates a little bit of attractiveness. And this is not to be said that it, we want to do it in a, mani- you know, a manipulative or a, you know, in, in a bit of a way where we're trying to create mystery around us, but it's simply just being you and allowing certain private aspects of your life to remain private, remain unique to you, remain, remain what is special and what makes you different. What is so important about what you said
0: is, I remember, oh gosh, about two years ago, I worked with a client on an intensive and she was very, very reluctant to use social media for various reasons. And as we were discussing it, she said, I just don't have the energy. And she's like, I don't know how you do it. You're always on Instagram. And I was like, oh, that's, it's interesting. Talk to me about your definition of always, because I spend the maximum ten minutes a day on Instagram and it's probably more right. like five. And she was so shocked because she went, But every time I go on there I see you. I'm like, Yeah, but that's just because you're going on there the same amount of time or less than me and you just happen to see something. But it was really interesting that she was like, You're always on there. I was like, I really spend very little like I spend most of my time in the DMs chatting to, you know, friends like you. Yes. But actually like posting stories and stuff like no it's like a few minutes a day but I just thought that was so funny because I don't share that much but to her that was you know someone that was on there regularly which which was a win for me because I was like great it's
1: reaching people exactly and there's you know there's the saying that you know private people or I guess here we can insert introverted people have a very special way of being able to share very little about themselves but in a way that makes you feel like you know a lot about them meaning that if you are able to share just tidbits that are the most impactful, it's not necessarily about quantity of what you share, it's about quality. And again, if you understand how to build connections and tell proper stories, you don't necessarily need to share every single detail of your life in order for your audience to feel connected to you. You just need to share the relevant pieces that will draw them in. And that's a great segue with relevant pieces because something I
0: definitely want to ask you about now, anyone listening probably knows that I have struggled with creating a framework or a methodology, and this is something that I've gone through like various times in my business because from a marketing perspective, I get that it makes sense. However, you've got a very different way of approaching this, more of a philosophy. And I love that you said relevant pieces there because what we've talked about really that is the essence of it. Like When you talk to people, you're able to help them pull out the relevant pieces of the work they do that they should be talking about in their content. You'll not help make them create a 10-step framework or a five-step methodology. So could you share a little bit more about that? Because I think it's a really unique way of approaching messaging.
1: Absolutely. And thank you. I think that the biggest bottleneck that i found in maybe midway through my copywriting career or building personal brands or helping people develop their IP was this concept, like you said, that they need to develop a framework that they become known for, or they need to have a process that they walk every client through. Because if they don't have that, their business is not scalable. They don't have a, a unique methodology that they can attribute their clients' results to. And what I found is that the majority of the people I was working with, ironically, all being introverts as well, felt that having a framework almost put them in a box, or they would say that my clients don't necessarily go through this transformation in order. And if we look at anything in life, any sort of transition, any sort of transformation, it's very rare for us to go through changes in a linear fashion. And it's also very rare for one method to be applicable to to everybody or to work across the board in the same way. I often use the analogy. It's like, you know, creating a medication for men that are in their 60s and expecting a woman who is 18 to take it and expect the same, you know, the same outcomes or the same results. So it's not necessarily that I'm against frameworks or against step by step methods, but in my experience, I have found it to be very rare for a step by step method to actually work repeatedly and to get everyone predictable results. And so, where my approach came in is that I realized that there is absolute value in being able to attribute your brand or your name or the way that you do things to a concept or to an idea that once people come into your world, they understand the context of what it is that they're going to be exposed to or what it is that they can expect. So, my philosophy around this is instead of coming up with a step by step method, I want to distill the core pillars of your brand, of your ideologies, of your philosophies, and being able to put them in a what I call a 3D framework or put them in a visual depiction of what it is that people expect when they come into your world. So kind of like how you and I did this a couple of weeks ago, we want to look at what are the main ideas and I would say the main concepts, the main ideas, the main philosophies that encompass the transformation that you provide. So these could be pillars, the, these could be a certain word that you you become associated with or that you you kind of put your own unique spin or definition to. But essentially what we're doing is that we're pulling out the main pieces that lead to someone having a transformation when they work with you without necessarily having to go through them in order. So The beauty of this is that when someone comes into your world, there is still context around what they're going to expect. And also you develop your own brand and your own ideologies around this piece of intellectual property that becomes yours. But it's not necessarily something that you feel like you need to pigeonhole every single client to go through, you know, step one, step two, step three, and feel the pressure to have to conform your methods and strategies to that to that framework, because as we know from experience, it's it's oftentimes hard to even stick to our own framework when we realize that it's it's very confining.
0: You're so right that there's so much pressure, I think, to create these methodologies to be scalable. Because if we're looking at people that are just, you know, looking to get volume through their business, it is very much, well, you create this and then you bring on co-coaches and then you coach them in this methodology, and then you can serve more people and you know, you can create a course and it's the the same thing over and over again, which you know, may work in some arenas, definitely doesn't work with with the work that I do. And then people are so like panicked into, oh, I have to do this because otherwise I'm not going to be able to scale that
1: they miss the complete essence of the work that they do it and they can't articulate that well. Exactly, exactly. And I think the concept that becomes important here, which I felt like I was a little bit of a lone wolf in advocating for this a couple of years ago, but luckily I now see many other business owners that are kind of turning to this philosophy, which is the concept of the one person business or the unscalable business that is, you know, growing in popularity and still rejected by some. And it doesn't necessarily mean unscalable in terms of less money or less impact, but it's creating simple sophistication. And it's being able to serve a small number of people or even a large number of people in a very simple way that doesn't skimp on the quality of service or the quality of value that they're getting from you simply because of the, the desire to scale. When I work with many entrepreneurs behind the scenes and they they have these big ambitions and, and these big goals of hitting, you know, a hundred thousand a month or a million a month in, in whatever it is that their goals are, my my next line of questioning often becomes what does that mean to you? Or what would that mean to you? Or where does this goal come from? What is fueling that desire? And oftentimes we find that the fuel behind that desire isn't actually something that is embodied, but it's something that they've picked up in this belief that thinking being in the entrepreneurial world means that you need to be scalable, means that you need to constantly be growing, constantly be doing more, earning more, serving more. And that is just simply not true. And I've found many businesses that have found great happiness and fulfillment in being able to create a predictable business that creates immense value for a small number of people and that allows them to stay within their unique zone of genius without feeling the pressure of having to constantly grow. I love that. One of my clients just
0: had her biggest cash month ever and it was phenomenal. But what's more phenomenal is that she's tied in monthly recurring revenue at... A great rate, which is what she wanted, which pays her a great salary, which enables her to hire a bigger team and all of that. And from an introvert sensitive point of view, the the nervous system being like, oh, it's safe. There's income contracted. You know, this is the minimum that's coming in for, say, the next six months Right. That can feel successful. That is success to some people. It certainly is to me without this pressure of, like you say, but what next? Well, I hit this month, so I've got to add more or I've got to double it or next year's got to be twice as much or whatever those kind of like ego, I'm going to say, like external goals come from.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And, and I think you nailed it as well. I think it, it oftentimes stems from the ego. It's not coming from an actual embodied place of integrity and. What I've noticed from experience as well is that many businesses that are built on ego or built on the pressure to keep up or the pressure to prove yourself or the pressure to to make it, you know, quote unquote, uh, oftentimes is not sustainable. And either the business itself will hit a wall or the individual behind the business will hit a wall, where they're no longer growing out of integrity, but they're they're growing out of need to to prove to themselves. And that's not that's not good energy to be operating out of anyway. I think you and I were chatting about this.
0: I've seen a few posts about it lately where so many businesses that were started in the pandemic, now when people had the wrong intentions or they started them from a purely financial standpoint, now the world is open and there are different opportunities.
1: People are kind of like, yeah, no, I'm bored of that now. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And it's, again, when that core piece of why you started your business in the first place and what is the actual gap that you're trying to close in the world if that piece is missing, then, you know, a business can't solely thrive on your own desire to want to achieve a certain lifestyle. And I think that's why, and I've spoken about this in great lengths in my own content, where these these lifestyle alluring businesses are not necessarily something that portrays a accurate image, I would say, of what it actually takes behind the scenes to build something that is sustainable, but also something that feels good to you. Because a business can be generating a lot of income on the outside and it might be looking like it's very successful. However, if it doesn't feel aligned to you or if you feel like you need to overextend yourself into things that don't necessarily feel good or you feel like you're doing it out of the need to keep up or or out of the need to hit certain income goals that are very arbitrary and, and oftentimes don't really hold any inherent value to you, then it's very difficult to be fulfilled and actually sustain that long term. I've
0: seen it over and over again where people have as you're, you know, implying, built the wrong business because they've been driven by the wrong things and they've come to me and they're like, I have this business and it's making, I don't know, $250,000. I'm like, great. And they're like, no, I hate it. Like I hate (laughs) everything about it and I need to burn it to the ground. And it's like, okay. And that's where the understanding yourself and that's why, you know, I'm so passionate about helping introverts. And we use tools like human design that come into it because like, okay, who actually are you and what do you really want? What's your what are your core values? What's your vision for the future? What's your definition of success? And then once we've got that foundation, then we can work out what's the right business for you.
1: Absolutely. There's there's a concept I've started talking about a lot with my own clients where, you know, we talk about messaging and copy and brand building, like it's this kind of like elusive thing, but I've been able to distill it down into these four core elements. And I think you just touched on two of them right there, where a part of actually having a brand and business that is sustainable or even a potent message is a deep sense of connection to your own values. And I think a lot of people are disconnected from who they actually are at their core. What do they identify with? What do they believe in? What do they stand against? And that becomes a really elemental piece to creating a brand message or a brand that is actually going to go through different economic up and up and downs or live through a pandemic or live through your own personal evolution. The second component of that 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 I think is really important is having an actual understanding of a real gap or a real need that exists in the world. And oftentimes I see this over and over again where businesses are built simply out of the, you know, I'm passionate about this or this is something I'm really interested in and I want to monetize it. But unfortunately, if there actually isn't a need or a gap that needs to be filled in the world or a problem, a very relevant problem that you're solving, it becomes really difficult to build a sustainable brand around that. And the last piece there is actually having the experience and wisdom in solving that gap. You know, we've talked about imposter syndrome in great lengths, and we see it where, you know, people wait to take action or are afraid to take action. But on the flip side of that, I think also throughout, let's say, the pandemic or in my experience, what I've seen is that a lot of people start businesses that they perhaps haven't developed the competency to develop to to deliver yet, and they become so caught up with the marketing of it and the putting it out there and the getting their first clients or hitting their first 10k months that they forget that the external byproducts of earning money or becoming a well-known brand are simply you just doing the thing that you do really, really well. And the better you get at delivering client results and the, the more passion and energy that you bring to your client experience, the business is going to grow as a byproduct of that. But it doesn't, you can't put the cart before the horse, right? You can't do the marketing and messaging and the growth and the scaling until you get really, really good. So having that experience and wisdom and actual competence to deliver an astounding an brand experience is, is imperative to your success as a brand.
0: And now, of course, I'm going to ask you, what are your core
1: values? <laughs> Love it. I would say especially as of lately something that has been like top of mind has been transparency. And I know that that might seem a little bit like you know woo woo when everyone talks about being transparent and authentic, but unfortunately I feel like it is something that is truly missing from the space and even though many of my posts and articles sometimes might seem a little bit I wouldn't say pessimistic, but just realistic is because I've really dedicated myself to illuminating what are the truths behind entrepreneurship that are not talked about, because there's a lot of emphasis put on, you know, location freedom and financial freedom and being able to make money in your sleep and this allure of how how glamorous entrepreneurship is and for most people when they're not living that glamour they feel like they're doing something wrong or something is wrong with them or that they're not cut out for this and unfortunately not enough people are talking about the actual ups and downs and the actual internal evolution that needs to happen or the actual struggles and challenges and how to deal with some of the uglier parts of entrepreneurship so one of my values is being able to to really speak transparently about what it takes to build a business and not paint it as this you know beautiful path of sunshine and rainbows that you know you just quit your job and you launch a business and all of a sudden you're making millions overnight. And not this concept of if I can do it so you can do you it. You can do it too. <laughs> you sent me a reel about that.
0: I can't exactly. remember who it was and I wouldn't say anyway, but it was very much this. I did this and I had loads of debt and I hated my job and I had no boyfriend and then I started manifesting and now I've got this dream life and millions of pounds and like the best husband ever. And you can do exactly the same thing if you join my program.
1: Right, exactly. And I think that there's been this almost like, you know, if this, then that type of mentality in this space where if I did it, you can just follow my seven step blueprint to success and you can do it too. And what really kind of irks me about this is that there are genuine people that are in very vulnerable positions, whether it be in their relationships, in their careers, in their life. And a lot of them will fall for this, you know, just manifest your dream life and just follow my 10 steps. And all you need to do is three payments of 2,500 on a credit card. And, and there, that's it. <laughs> Once you've invested in yourself and you're in my energy, that's what's going to get you results. And it, it, it irks me because I don't want to again downplay anybody else's success, but. Just because something has worked for you and, you know, in record speed does not necessarily mean that someone else with with a different context in their life, with different situations, with different, you know, mindsets and, and just, you know, they're in a different place in life. It doesn't mean that just because it worked for you, it's going to work for them. And I often also say that it's it's it, it's almost a, a pity when someone hits their first success within just a couple of months or a couple of, you know, a year in business because they actually lack the experience to understand what it actually takes for others to be able to hit that. So those one hit wonder type businesses, um, again, very hard to sustain. And I don't think they're any more credible than the person who has just started out. When I started working with a long
0: term coach of mine, when I just pivoted to introverts and I'd had clients, I'd obviously had clients offline. But at that stage, I think I'd signed two or three clients that were all from referrals and recommendations. So never through marketing. And it took five months for me to sign my first clients and Mm -hmm. it felt like forever. And it felt like everyone else was, you know, hitting 10k months record speed and all of that. But she's a phenomenal coach. And I remember she said to me, she said, you will be a better coach because of this, because actually this is more representative of what the majority of your clients will go through. And you have felt that and you will understand and be able to hold them through that in a way that you can't if you have instant success and you don't know what it's like to struggle.
1: Absolutely. I I love that. And, And so many people who will, you know, have that seemingly overnight success, oftentimes when they've hit their first bit of turbulence or hit their first challenge in business, things crumble very quickly. Because what happens is that when you don't have a solid foundation to your business, and by foundation, I'm not necessarily saying that you need to have all the infrastructure and teams and things in place. By foundation, I mean having the solid core within yourself to be able to handle uncertainty, to be able to hold yourself throughout moments of of chaos or moments of, of not knowing when that next client is coming. And if you haven't developed that grit and resilience within, it's very difficult to actually sustain something at higher levels. And so for those people who haven't experienced that or have really quickly scaled their businesses, I find them having a lot more difficulty handling challenges or, you know, client refund requests or different types of things that will be thrown at you as an entrepreneur later on. So I would actually prefer for people to go through that in the beginning stages of their business and not necessarily once they've, you know, quote unquote, made it. I had Dr. Michelle Mazer
0: on the podcast. It was back last year and she's a messaging expert and she talks about the three word rebellion, that if you can distill down to your three word rebellion, then you have that as kind of part of your brand, like Start With Why for Simon Sinek. And it it was a really fascinating conversation. And one of the things she said that really stuck with me, like you were saying about this, you know, oh, you can have exactly what I've had and here's the formula is, as she said, it's lazy marketing. It's lazy to say, here is your guaranteed outcome. And when I've designed the programs, especially with the Quiet Power Mastermind, because people are coming at slightly different places and everyone is an individual. So, They have slightly different goals. I can't write one of those very compelling sales pages that's like, after six months, you will have this, this and this because that's not how it works. And I can see why people slip into that because it's lazy. It's easy marketing, but it's not fair on the consumer on, on the other side.
1: Absolutely. And I, I also think there's a nuanced way of being able to paint the picture of the possibility and what it is, what is possible for them once they have been exposed to your teachings and your coaching and your material, but without necessarily having to tie it or feeling the pressure of having to tie it to a specific outcome or destination. And I actually had this conversation with someone earlier today and I said, you know, for those who just simply lead with money wins or for those who simply lead with with these big cash months, don't be surprised if you attract people who are very impatient in the process of building a business because your entire marketing strategy has been tied to these big cash months or your entire process of putting your own work out there has been fully, fully reliant on using your lifestyle and the, the goodies that you're buying and the expensive vacations that you're taking as your sole way of showing credibility. And so if that's your way of showing credibility, don't be surprised if the people coming into your world are also expecting to live up to that in under a year. But if you instead show your or showcase your expertise and demonstrate what is the possibility for them and what are the challenges and obstacles you will help them overcome, you will inherently start attracting people who are more process-oriented. I could not
0: love that more. I also love that you said the people that were exposed to my teachings because the people that are exposed to my teachings in Quiet Power are also going to be exposed to your teachings from now on. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. They're going to get a double whammy of one three. So obviously I've known you for a while. I had a session with you a little while ago. I have definitely struggled with the messaging aspect of business and it took us exactly 11 minutes for me to distill down my business (laughs) philosophy. I remember looking at the clock on Zoom. It took me 11 minutes and you were like, just go away and see what comes through. And within 24 hours, I had the whole thing. So (laughs) that is, I think, a testament to the way, obviously, your brain works, but also the way that you approach it with introverts and the way that you understand us, which Mm -hmm. is why I'm super thrilled to have you on board as a support coach in Quiet Power. I would just love to know for anyone that's listening, what was it for you? Because you read Quiet Power sales page. Yes, yes. What was it about it that made you go, this is something I want to be involved in?
1: Oh my goodness, there is so much. I remember you posted about it and I was like, Quiet Power, that's amazing. And I remember at the same time, I was actually reading The Art of Quiet Influence, which is another book on, you know, on introverted influence and all of that. And I was like, oh, this resonates and it's so aligned because this is what I'm reading. And I remember clicking on the sales page and I don't think there was a single portion, meaning the wording of what was on the page. It was the energy of feeling like, oh, someone gets that there is a whole subset of people out there that don't necessarily adhere to the very typical marketing approaches to building a business, doing it the way that other people are doing it. And as I mentioned, I felt like a bit of an outcast for most of my life, like being that imposter and extrovert. So for the first time, I actually felt like I was reading a sales page that was speaking to my inherent desire of of doing something in a way that is aligned with me, rather than feeling like I need to now follow somebody else's blueprint or framework in order to get the result that they created. I I love that you called us a subset.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's what we are. (laughs) We, We are a significant subset of society. That's right, exactly. Quiet, but yes. (laughs) Quiet, but yes. But I love that. And I'm so thrilled that it resonated. And then we had a conversation and you were like, hey, you know, I could do a guest expert session, which has actually evolved into you being a part of the mastermind and there to support the clients throughout. So I am super thrilled about that because I know the power of introverts having the confidence in their message. I I see that, you know, with myself, obviously, and with my clients of let me articulate what I do and how I do it in a way that doesn't feel icky and it doesn't feel persuasive, but it actually just lets me shine out what I want to say without
1: being in these constraints, like you
0: say, of a formula or a template.
1: Absolutely. And it's it's also understanding how to own your voice in a very unique way. And oftentimes when I'm working with introverts, there's a lot of aversion around saying things in a certain way or adding very pushy calls to action. And something that I really like to speak about is how to create intuitive calls to action by creating that connection between your content and the way that your audience interprets it. Or even for people who are not necessarily super out there with their content, how to create a presence that doesn't require you to constantly be pumping out pieces in order to feel like you got to keep up or, or generate leads in your business. So that's why I'm super excited about that, because not very many people understand it. And I feel like especially this subset of introverts are feeling a lot of pressure of, you know, having to be anyone other than themselves in order to meet their business goals. And that's simply not true.
0: Oh, perfect. Well, I'm thrilled to have you on board. My Quiet Power Mastermind clients are lucky to have you on board because I know what we can do in just 11 minutes and (laughs) always grateful to just be connected with other business owners that are on the same wavelength. And, you know, it's when it's really clear, even when you just DM in
1: someone that, okay, we have the
0: same thoughts about this. We have the same values.
1: Yes, exactly. And it's it's always nice to be connected to people who you almost feel that they are are so connected to themselves and that they see things the way that you do. And you kind of feel like, oh, I'm not alone in this.
0: (laughs) Ironically, as
1: introverts, we like, I want to be alone. But then we're also like, I don't want to be on my own, though. Yes, exactly. It's like, I want to be alone, but like alone and with a couple of other people who also understand being alone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Alone with like a small group of other quiet
0: people, which is is basically why I designed the masterminds. You just wanted friends, that's all. (laughs) Yeah, that's I'm like just come into like my quiet small friend group. And then I'll I'll invite guest experts in that are like friends as well, and we'll just be quiet together. (laughs) I love it. Oh, I love it. So thank you so much for taking the time to come and chat with me today, especially because I know you've literally just moved from Mexico yesterday. So I appreciate that so much. Before I let you go, obviously, I'm going to ask you, first off, I feel like this might be a hard one for you to, to nail down. Which book would you recommend to my audience of ambitious introverts that are growing their business?
1: Okay, so this one is going to be my absolute favorite read of last year. And obviously, as you know, there's a million that I could recommend. But if I had to distill it down to one, it would be Intuitive Marketing. And I believe it is by doctor. I'm trying to remember the name, Steven Jenko, And intuitive marketing essentially was the pivotal moment where I realized like, oh, what I've been doing actually has a science behind it. It is not something that I just, you know, whipped up or created on my own, but it completely destroys the notion of having to be persuasive in your communication. And instead, how do you build trust and connection with a group of people using brain science, right? Using how humans have communicated throughout thousands of years and how to do that in a very intuitive way where people intuitively just feel like they're drawn to you, they're connected to you and that your solution is best fit for them without you having to have to, you know, draw out all the benefits and all the things that they're going to get from it and and have super tangible solutions and, and stuff like that. So that would be my recommendation for a book. I
0: love that you didn't read the book and then go and implement it you no. implemented
1: it intuitively and then you read the book and went oh this is a thing it was very validating yes exactly yes. <laughs> That's what i've been doing for 7 years okay so there's some science behind it it's not just
0: me <laughs> Perfect, and I'm going to put that on the list because I have not
1: even heard of that book, let alone read many it. Haven't. So yeah, many haven't. It's it's a very popular neuromarketing book, and within the sphere of neuromarketing and consumer behavior, but it's not something that is very, I would say, mainstream within the business book category on Amazon. Okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can I can see why. Perfect, and of course, before I let you go, I'm going to ask
0: you what is the biggest mindset shift or the biggest reframe that you had to create to be able to have the success that you have today? Yeah, mm.
1: I would say the biggest reframe was when I realized that I didn't have to be anything else or I didn't have to compartmentalize myself from my business in order to grow, in order to scale. And that in me fully owning who I am and not hiding parts that I thought were not professional or were not going to be taken seriously was actually crippling my business in a way because I was putting on a facade and I was putting on a front of what I thought was gonna be accepted in the entrepreneurial space or what I thought was gonna build my credibility or what I thought was gonna get people to think that I know what I'm doing. And when I dropped all the masks in who I thought I had to be in order to be taken seriously and instead just fully leaned into who I was, my unique voice, my perspectives, my you know polarizing ideas and controversial things, and the more I leaned into that and started sharing things that were really near and dear to my heart, that's what grew my business. And I, I hope the same for for almost everybody else who feels like they need to contort themselves into being someone else in order to gain the business that they have always desired. That is absolutely not true.
0: Beautiful permission given from a very ambitious introvert so (laughs) thank you parmise for sharing all that thank you for your time i'm gonna drop all of your links in the show notes so anyone that's listening go and connect with parmise learn from her wisdom and thank you again thank you Thank you for listening to this episode of the Ambitious Introvert Podcast with me, Emma-Louise Parks. If you enjoy this show, please, please subscribe, rate, and leave a review on iTunes. As a thank you, one lucky reviewer each month will win a 60-minute one-on-one coaching session with me, where you'll get the clarity and confidence to attract your ideal clients. And if you know someone who could benefit from listening to the show, then please do share and help me reach as many fellow ambitious introverts as possible.